guys, lab results here. I'm Boo McWaters. I'm Landry Worth. I'm Anna Larissa. And I'm Addie Thrasher. Today, we're going to do a special spooky Halloween edition. We're going to talk about the psychology of serial killers and what goes on in their heads that makes them so dangerous. By the end of this segment, we hope that you will have learned all about the brains behind psychopathy. Before we talk about their brains, let's look into what a serial killer is and some famous killers from the past. A serial killer is a person who kills three or more people at different times with a cooling off period in between. They might kill when they feel stressed and afterwards feel relieved. And according to neurologist of over 25 years, Jim Fallon, there are generally four types of serial killers. Those who want to rid the world of evildoers, those who want to experience a thrill, those who want to have a sense of power, and those who want to obtain money or love. The first serial killer we are going to talk about is Ed Kemper. He was the basis for the character Buffalo Bill in the movie Silence of the Lambs. Kemper was a serial killer who aided the FBI in discovering more serial killers in return for various favors such as looking at confidential documents and requesting specific FBI employees to talk to. He killed his grandparents in 1964 when he was 15 to see what it felt like. He was convicted of killing eight women, including his mother. Ed was able to relive the experience of serial killing when aiding the FBI in a case. He had also been found to have a high IQ, which enabled him to break down details to solve cases. This made him feel both important and powerful while aiding the FBI. Another notorious serial killer is John Wayne Gacy, otherwise known as the Killer Clown. He murdered 33 boys and young men in the 1970s, which surprised people because he was known for his sociability and his performances as a clown at a charitable events and at children's parties. When he was younger, he exhibited a growing tendency towards sadism, which resulted in several encounters with the law in the 1960s. In 1968, he was confined to the Anamosa State Penitentiary and forced to undergo psychological evaluation after his conviction for sexually assaulting a teenage boy. He was released in 1970, and while still on parole, he was arrested for sexual assaults again, but the charges were dropped. In 1978, police discovered 29 bodies in a crawl space beneath his house. His plea of innocent by reason of insanity was rejected by the jury, which found him guilty of all 33 murders of which he was accused and led to his execution in 1994. The last serial killer we are going to discuss is Jeffrey Dahmer. He murdered, raped, dismembered, and ate 17 boys and men. Dahmer had a typical childhood, but he began to act self-conscious and antisocial at about age six, which was probably associated with his brother's birth and his family's move from Iowa to Ohio. At age 13, his parents were divorced. Divorce, moving, and siblings were and are typical for many teenagers, so it is peculiar that these events affected Dahmer so heavily. He stated that at age 14, he began having urges to kill. This was close to the time that he began killing and dismembering animals. He became an alcoholic in high school and had killed his first victim by graduation. He was sentenced to 15 life terms for his crimes. When Dahmer was arrested, they saw that several heads were in the refrigerator and freezer, two skulls were on top of the computer, and a 57-gallon drum containing several bodies decomposing in chemicals was in a corner of the bedroom. That's so creepy. Now we're going to discuss why these people acted the way they did and what goes on in their brains that makes them want to kill people.
According to Jim Fallon, there are typically three components that go into the creation of a serial killer. Trauma or abuse in childhood, a chromosome abnormality, and low brain function in the orbital cortex. First, we're going to talk about the childhood. A lot of serial killers experience childhood abuse. In a study conducted by Jim Fallon, out of 50 serial killers, 70% suffered from some kind of childhood trauma. Due to bullying, many serial killers begin harboring secret aggressive fantasies. As stated by David Berkowitz, also known as the Son of Sam, it was a mysterious force working against me. I felt bothered and tormented. It is clear that aggression begins in early childhood. Loneliness, as illustrated, may lead to the evolution of fantasies as these serial killers in the making are frequently alone. Infancy is also extremely important because it is one of the most significant stages in human development. The first 12 months are critical to the development of emotions like remorse and affection. If a child does not receive adequate attention and physical touch during this time period, they may suffer substantial personality disorders in the future. This could lead to the child having a psychopathic personality by the age of two, which is indicated by the absence of a range of emotions such as sympathy, remorse, and affection. This also explains why many serial killers like David Berkowitz, Joel Rifkin, and Kenneth Bianchi, who were adopted, developed into serial killers later on. They never had the nurture from their biological mothers. Ed Kemper, who Addie talked about earlier, suffered from constant mental and physical abuse from his mother. He was locked in the basement frequently during his childhood, which certainly must have been traumatizing. Childhood trauma has also been linked to serial killers. 42% of convicted serial killers suffered from physical abuse as children and 74% suffered from psychological abuse. Sexual abuse is another prominent characteristic amongst, among serial killers and as 35% witnessed sexual abuse and 43 were sexually abused themselves. 29% of serial killers were found to be accident prone children. That directly correlates to the homicidal triad, which states that wetting the bed, setting fires and killing animals or pets can indicate psychological issues. When the FBI collaborated with Ed Kemper to solve serial killer crimes, They found out that torturing animals was an extremely common action for children who eventually became serial killers. That's crazy how three childhood indicators can sometimes predict a later-in-life killer. Now, we're going to discuss the second component of psychopathy, a chromosome abnormality. According to Dr. Helen, who has studied 135 serial killers, most serial killers have a chromosome abnormality. This could start to present itself during puberty. The chromosome most serial killers have is the monoamine oxidase A gene. This gene is commonly known as the warrior gene and affects the levels of serotonin in the brain. Because of this gene, serial killers never learn empathy and lack a sense of attachment to the world. Here with us today to talk about this gene is Jim Fallon. Welcome, Jim. Yes, welcome, Jim. Glad to have you here. So, can you kind of explain what the gene is and why it's a problem within serial killers? The thing is that the major violence genes is called the MAOA gene. And there's a variant of this gene that is in the normal population. Some of you have this. And it's sex length. It's on the X chromosome. And so, in this way, you can only get it from your mother. And in fact, this is probably why mostly men, boys, are psychopathic killers, are very aggressive. Because, you know, the daughter can get one X from the father, one X from the mother, it's kind of diluted out. But for a son, you can only get the 
uh, X chromosome from his mother. So this is how it's passed from, from mother to son. And it has to do with too much serotonin during development. It's kind of interesting because serotonin is supposed to make you calm and relaxed. But if you have this gene in, in utero, your brain is bathed in this. So your whole brain becomes insensitive to serotonin. So it doesn't work you know, later on. And so if you have that gene and you have, you see a lot of violence in a, in a certain situation, this is the recipe for disaster, absolute disaster. Thank you so much, Jim, for taking the time to talk with us today. Yes, thank you. But I have a question. Do all people with the MAOA gene show psychopathic tendencies? No. In fact, Jim Fallon has the MAOA gene, but it's not a serial killer. It all depends on your childhood and your brain structure. Now, we are going to discuss the last component of what makes a serial killer a psychopath. According to Jim Fallon, low orbital cortex activity is a common occurrence in the brains of serial killers. This area of the brain is associated with ethical behavior, decision-making, and impulse control. Low activity in this area is an indicator of abuse of drugs and alcohol, rage and violence, and sex. When looking at scans of serial killers' brains, their orbital frontal cortex looks a little diminished or less active. Yeah, serial killers' brain scans show a shrunken amygdala, the part of the brain that controls emotions. The brain of a serial killer controls what type of killer they are. There are two classifications, organized and disorganized. The previously mentioned serial killers, John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer, and Ed Kemper, are all classified as organized serial killers. Organized killers typically possess good social skills and intelligence. Their childhood typically has inconsistent discipline. Later in life, they usually live with a partner and are sexually active. Their killings are triggered by stressors and are often fueled by drinking. They typically follow police investigation in order to stay ahead. Disorganized killers are socially inept and usually not very intelligent. Sometimes they are mentally handicapped. They usually mirror a parent's lack of ability to hold down a job and live alone. These killers tend to be sexually incompetent, and their crimes are usually impulsive and unplanned. Evidence is often left behind. Now we're going to discuss a modern theory surrounding the psychology of serial killers and how criminal profiling has been used to stop them. One theory is Isink's theory. This theory says that some people are born with a nervous system that makes them more likely to act in a criminal manner. This system is called the Reticular Activating System, or RAS. It arouses the cerebral cortex and alerts the cerebral cortex to the fact that stimuli are approaching. Most high-level thinking takes place in the cerebral cortex. Isink studies both extroversion and introversion and how they affect the psyche of different humans. Extroverts' cerebral cortexes are less aroused by the RAS compared to introverts. These extroverts are prone to finding social sensations outside of their body to make up for the lack of sensation in their head. Many extroverts condition their behaviors and can demonstrate psychopathic behaviors. Isink also looked at neuroticism and how that affects the stability of minds. Like extroverts, individuals that have higher score on neuroticism have a low arousal by the RAS. This causes the nervous system to create high levels of anxiety. Offenders with high neuroticism and extrovert levels are less likely to learn from their past crimes through punishment. That's really interesting. Psychological profiling has been used a lot more in the last few decades or so in order to catch serial killers. 
While it is not a concrete science, it is proven to be effective in narrowing down suspects. The FBI, or Federal Bureau of Investigation, uses criminal profiling in order to catch serial killers. They use educated guesswork and computer analysis based on previous case files from the same serial killer in order to guess their next move. They try to put themselves into the criminal's mind in order to track them down. This is shown in the popular television show, Criminal Minds. And, according to Susan Bell, criminal psychology has dated back to Jack the Ripper in the 1800s. Well, that's all we have for you today. We hope that you learned a lot about serial killers and how their minds work. We hope you'll tune in for our next segment. See you next time. Bye. Happy Halloween.